1846, in Yerba Buena, California, there was nothing but sand dunes and billions of, of fleas. The population, however, two years later in 1848, exploded in that little town. And it exploded because gold had been discovered. And people from literally around the world um, came to California to be able to find their fortune in gold. And on April 18th, just a few years later, April April 18th, 1906, in that same community, there was an 8.0 magnitude earthquake. And fires immediately broke out all over the city. The earthquake broke the water mains, and so firefighters had no ability to put out the blazes using the city's water system. There were 60 fires burning simultaneously. They referred to it as firestorms developing all throughout the city. And the fire event lasted for three days. Fire crews not having the use of any water, they used dynamite and blew up entire city blocks at one time to be able to try to create fire breaks. About 30,000 buildings were destroyed, and it's believed that about 3,000 people were killed. I want to talk about another fire that we read about in Scripture found in Daniel chapter 3. Really, as far as the Scripture is concerned, it's one of the more well-known fires that we have as far as the story of the scriptural narrative. And it really all starts with a man named Nebuchadnezzar, and I want to look at... Um, a little bit of background information on him and look at this golden image that, that Nebuchadnezzar um, built and, and had um, erected and commanded that it be worshipped in Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar <clears throat> was known as the warrior king and uh, he reigned between 605 and 562 BC. It was a very lengthy reign and He was known as the greatest military leader in the Babylonian Empire. And on March 16th, 597 BC, he captured Jerusalem after invading the Holy Land. And he did what a lot of kings did in that period of time. He he took the, the best and the brightest and the smartest and the most capable and the most knowledgeable and those with the most wisdom and the most ability and he exiled them from their homeland and he took them to Babylonia. He took them to the nation of Babylon and and he put them into his governmental system and into society in order to advance his kingdom in the world. And so so he took them from their homes and and plopped them into their society and and, and it it had a a very positive benefit to to his kingdom. It helped advance um, his agenda. And Four men that we've heard about in scripture, a man named Daniel, 
and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were among these people from Israel um, who, who probably would have, they may not have been directly from Jerusalem, but they, they were from the, the, the nation of Israel. They were exiled out of their homeland into Babylon. And the king, at some point after they were, they were already there, the king gathers his entire administration he gathers everyone that is working as part of their leadership in his government. It's obviously, it's a large gathering and he brings them all together to see something that he has created. He has created a large golden statue of himself to be worshiped as an entity, as a God. And he tells the people that are there, they are going to need to fall down and worship this image. Daniel chapter three, verse six, this is how serious this issue is. <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar says, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So the music sounds, the signal is given, and all who are present bow down to worship except for three, and those three are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We do not read where Daniel was at this moment. Maybe Daniel was doing some other aspect of the king's business. Uh, we don't know. I know that Daniel would not have bowed to worship because he was Jewish, and these, these three that, that were left standing there, they are, they're, they're, they're known to be Jewish. Everyone would have known where they were from, and the other leaders looked and saw that these guys weren't worshiping. They're, they're, it's kind of like praying in church on Sunday. You know, people still look around. You know what I'm talking about, right? Have you ever? <laughs> Come on, that's funny. I don't care who you are. At our own dinner table, when we pray for a meal, people are looking around. Not me, but I know people are. Because they make comments about what people are doing during prayer. Well, that's the way it was during this. They were looking around and they saw that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow down and worship this golden image. And so they decided they were going to go to Nebuchadnezzar and they were going to tattle on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they said, you know those three Jewish guys? They were not worshiping. In fact, king, they do not believe in nor do they worship any of the gods that you have set before us. And this infuriates Nebuchadnezzar, and so he summons Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he brings them uh, in front of himself, and he says, guys, this is the, the Kevin Taylor interpretation, guys, you know you're a part of my government, you're the best, you're the brightest, um, I really like you, I want you to succeed. Obviously there, there's been a failure here for you to understand what I've communicated. The failure can't be in my communication because I'm the king, you have failed to understand it. So let me say it to you again, and, 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 and so once I, once I explain it, I'll give you another chance. So we look at Daniel 3.15 where the king says, now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing fire, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, the Bible tells us that at this point, the king's attitude changes very radically. He goes from the, I'm going to give you another chance, to heat it up seven times hotter. And it happens very quickly. And the idea of a second chance is taken off the table. And he tells some of his strongest soldiers, I want you to tie them up. I want you to bind them up, put them in in some sort of restraints. And then I want them thrown into the furnace. So there's no second chance. We're gonna, I'm going to use my strongest soldiers to make sure that this is done correctly. And he has them thrown into the fire. And King Nebuchadnezzar it, it probably was not surprised, but the soldiers that he had throw them into the fire, they were actually killed by the heat of the fire. And King Nebuchadnezzar looks into the furnace and he is somewhat surprised. He is even shocked because he notices a few things. The first is that they are not harmed. They are walking around in the midst of the fire. The shackles or the ropes or or the chains that they were bound with are no longer holding them. They are unbound. And thirdly, there's a fourth person in the fire. In fact, the king says, didn't we throw three guys into this fire? Why do I see four? And the fourth one looks like the son of the gods. The king literally at that point, he calls to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he tells them to come out. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that the sound of his voice could even penetrate the flames as hot as they, because when there's a fire that's really burning hot, it is loud. And, but he was able to call to them, and they step out, and look at the second half of Daniel 3.27. It says, they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Now, here in the UP, we know that if you sit around a campfire, what's going to happen? You're going to smell like smoke. In fact, if it's a beautiful evening, you don't, you don't leave the fire, go take a shower and go back to the fire because you know that if you do, when you crawl into bed, you are going to smell like the fire, okay? And your wife is going to say, you stink, go take another shower. They didn't even smell like fire. Well, I want to look at Five facts about the fire that we learn from the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The first fact is this fire is inevitable. Fire is inevitable. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were Jews. 
Remember the guy named Moses? Remember he went on the mountain of God and God took his finger and he wrote out the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone and he gave those to Moses. Moses took those and Moses taught them to the people. And one of those commandments said that you shall not bow down to idols. You shall not worship idols. And so they had been taught that their whole lives. And these are the best and the brightest of Israel. These guys are the sharpest. And they, they knew that they could not bow down and worship this idol that Nebuchadnezzar had built and said, you will bow down and worship. They, 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 in their minds, they had no choice because this was a direct violation of the, the law that God had given Moses. And so they, had, they, they couldn't do anything about it. Well, sometimes in life, it is going to seem for you and I like, like we have no choice. We are going into the fire and there's ultimately nothing that we can do about it. John chapter 16 and verse 33, Jesus says this, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. It's inevitable. You will go through the fire. At some point, points in your life, you will go through the fire. Sometimes there's just no other choice. The Bible says that this world is not our home. What does that really mean? It means that we're only passing through. Billy Graham said it well. He said this world is a, is a, a dressing room for eternity. We're just getting ready during this life, during this world, for where we will spend eternity. And this world, because, because it's not our home, Jesus said this world hated him. And he said, if this world hated me, it certainly will hate you. So we should not be surprised when we see that this world doesn't, doesn't like us very much. Fire is inevitable. You will not be able to get around it. When you decide as a follower of Christ that I'm going to live for God, there will be fire that comes into your life. Now, sometimes the fire that we go through is a fire that we literally, we gathered all the sticks, okay, we, we, we got the matches, you know, we got the, the lighter fluid, and we created the fire. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about things that we did not do to create ourselves. Things that happen as a result of us standing ultimately for God. It's inevitable. Number two, fire can get turned up. Nebuchadnezzar turned up the fire, the furnace, seven times hotter. Now for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this was not the first time that the fire had been turned up. I want you to remember that Nebuchadnezzar had invaded the people of Israel and had broken through the walls of Jerusalem and invaded the city of Jerusalem. Many of their friends and family were probably killed in that process. And they were removed 
not by their own desire, but against their will, they were removed from their families, removed from their homeland, and taken to Babylon. The fire had already been burning hot. They were already in the fire. But now, the king has taken this step of bringing uh, this, this golden image in front of them and saying you have to bow down and worship it. And now the fire is going to get turned up even hotter in their lives. Literally and figuratively. I'm really glad that the Bible says that God won't give us any more than we can handle. Insert laughter here. The Bible does not say that God will not give us more than we can handle. If that were the case, we would never have to go through divorce. We'd never go through a custody battle or cancer or the addiction of a loved one. We'd never have to endure uh, false accusations or bankruptcy or losing a job. And, and our response to, to those things is we want to fix it, right? We want to fix those things. We want to handle it. But when we try to do it on our own strength and in our own power, Satan wins because we're, we're not able to do it. In fact, look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. He said, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, look at this, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. They were going through the fire, and it was far greater than they could handle on their own. Far greater. Friends, Satan loves to turn up the heat in our lives, loves to turn up the fire, loves to take us to that point where, where we know we can't endure it on our own. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul says this, and I, I want you to listen all the way through this and let me comment on it before you, you think that I've got the wrong verse here. He says, no temptation has taken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful and will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. In the Greek, the word for temptation also means testing. So when we go back and we read that, no testing, no, no time of fire in your life has overtaken you. That word overtaken, it means seized upon you or assailed you. Friends, I believe that Satan, he, he, as the enemy of our soul, his attempt is to seize upon us, to grasp us, to try to hold us fast. And he wants to turn up the fire in our lives. But I want to make sure that I remind you that the Bible says that no weapon that's fashioned against us shall prosper. Thirdly, the fire reveals our need for a miracle. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego needed a miracle. Have you ever needed a miracle? Not wanted a miracle, but needed a miracle. There's a big difference. There's lots of miracles that I want, 
but what is a miracle that I would say that I need? Being thrown into the fire created a real need for a miracle in the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is not an imagined need. This is not made up or fake. It's real. In fact, it's so real that people died. People died in the process. The soldiers that threw them into the fire lost their lives. That's how real this need for a miracle is. Only God could provide the answer for them. Look at what Nebuchadnezzar says in Daniel 3.15, the second half. He said, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? He's the most powerful um, king in the known world. No one on earth had the ability to rescue them at that moment by disobeying the king. They were, what they were doing is they were being obedient to God and that obedience to God caused them to disobey the king. The Bible says that you and I, that we're in a battle, and that battle is not taking place against flesh and blood, but it is a spiritual battle against spiritual forces of evil. I said earlier, this world is not our home, that we're in it, but we're not of it. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 11, speaks about the patriarchs, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and others. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Look at this, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. They realized that this world was not their home. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse six, it says, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we can boldly declare without shrinking back in fear what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? What can mere mortals do to us? What's the worst that this world can throw at you? It could kill you. That's the worst And in the life of the believer, what does that mean? Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So if the world would take our life from us, we begin eternity a little earlier. That's what it means. Number four, fire reveals what we're trusting in. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said our God is able. I love how they they use this language. They said our God is able able. They weren't, they weren't getting cocky, okay? Our God is able. And they said, we believe that he will. And then they said, but, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. What they were saying is live or die, we will trust God with our lives. And I, I wonder I wonder if some of us would say, you know, come right down to it, live or die. I don't know. I don't know if I have that much trust in God to trust his ability to come through for me, to really put my life in his hands. Do I trust him? Isaiah 43 and verse two, we actually sang 
a song uh, earlier this morning from Isaiah 43 too. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. When we're in the midst of the fire, we don't have to be afraid. God has called us by name, and he has promised us, I will be with you. No matter what happens, trust God. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Sometimes it's not gonna make sense and it's not gonna match up with our own understanding, but to trust God even in the midst of that fire is gonna require just about everything that we have. And the fire is going to make it very evident who we are trusting in. Number five, The fire may be the vehicle of your deliverance. When we see a fire, what do we want to do? Well, if it's cold out, we want to do this. We want to get warmed up. But but let's talk about a a fire that's out of control. What do we want to do? We want to get away from it, right? We want to get away from it. Years ago, um, there was a a, a friend who was... um, a deacon at one of the churches that I served in, he was a DNR firefighter. And so the fires that he fought were the fires out in the woods. And he would drive a, um, a bulldozer. <clears throat> and um, the, a, a large log got lodged in the track of his bulldozer and he could not move forward or backward. And the, the, the entrance that he had into this fire, because he could not move and he could not get out, literally the fire just enveloped that entrance and there was, there was no way out and he could not move. And he cried out to the Lord. And that bulldozer was able to move again and miraculously like a door opened in that fire for him to get out of. I'll never forget him sharing that on a Sunday night at the altar just with tears in his eyes knowing that God had spared his life. When we're in the middle of a fire, we just want out of it. We want out of it. We want to go around it. We want out of it if we're already in it. But there is a, 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 almost like a panic that sets in. And we want out of it. But today, I, I want you to understand. And, and we would even maybe go as far to say nothing good can happen in the fire. But when you find yourself in the middle of a fire, rather than look for the the fastest way out or around it, do this. Find out where Jesus is in it. Because where Jesus is in the midst of it, that's where we want to be. That's where we need to be. Because ultimately, that's the safest place. You see, in the midst of the fire, the the ropes or the chains or whatever bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fell off. God shows up in the midst of the fire, and that's where they're saved. Fire is going to be something that we all face in this life. 
We're gonna face trials. We're gonna face difficulties. James chapter one, verse two, he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. We will have fire in our lives. As I'm speaking, undoubtedly, many of you right now are thinking about the fire that you are in the middle of right now. I don't, I don't have to know what it is. God knows what it is. And right now, you're thinking about it. That fire that you are in, God has said, listen, I'm going to remove the things that have bound you, the things that have held you immobile. I'm going to, I'm going to, those are going to drop by your side. Say, Kevin, why would you say that? Because I've read the story of Samson. I've read the story of, of, uh, of Paul and Silas. I've read the story of Peter. And every time God comes on the scene, whatever is holding them captive falls by the wayside. I believe that it's the power of God that opens the prison doors. It's the power of God in the midst of the fire that literally opens up the tombstone and allows the dead to rise again. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. This is so good. And then verse 19 also. He said, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So then those who suffer according to God's will should submit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Don't run from the fire. Look for Jesus. Run to Jesus. Jesus is in the fire with you. If you run out of the fire, you're running away from Jesus. Run to Jesus. The fire that I spoke of earlier was a real disaster in that community. There was a fire chief in that community and when the fire began, the chimney in the firehouse fell, killing him. So the one person in that community that could possibly help to know, to know what to do, to, for people to look to, for safety, for, for help, for hopefully quenching that fire, died. Listen, I want you to know that the fire can't kill Jesus. The fire can't do any damage to him. You know, God can rescue you in the midst of your fire. You may have cancer. God can rescue you from the cancer. But if he doesn't, we won't bow down. You may be going through a, a, a painful, bitter ordeal like a divorce. God can restore that relationship. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down. He is with you in the fire. As we close today, I'm just going to invite you to bow your heads. 
Father, I pray that today, if there's some that are here that are going through a tremendous time of fire in their lives, I pray that they will walk away today knowing that you're in this place. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you just didn't deliver Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego in the fire, but you showed up in the fire. And today, there might be some people here that say, I need God to show up in the fire with me. I need to know that he's with me. As we close this service, I, I just want to pray for you if that's you. Just slip your hand up so, so I can pray for you, yes. Yes. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're in the midst of the fire with us. I thank you, Lord, that you show up in the, in the fire. I thank you, Father, that you have put other, other followers of Christ in our lives that we can walk alongside of, that can be Jesus with skin unto us, that can cause us to feel and sense the presence of God right there in the midst of the fire with us. Father, I pray, I pray today that rather than flee, rather than run, that we would just look to see where Jesus is in the fire and that we would move toward him. Father, I thank you and I praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you today that before, before you leave, don't, don't walk out of this place today without finding someone that you can spend a minute or two with and, and ask them, listen, would you take a minute? Would you, would you pray for me? Would you put your hand on my shoulder? Would you just, I'm going, I'm going through a fire. God showed up in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, imagine how their faith was, was just incredibly changed because God showed up in the fire. Years ago, there was a, a, a pastor that I worked for and when one of his kids went to bed at night, they were afraid. And they said, Mom, Dad, we, we're, I'm afraid of the dark. I don't, I don't, I don't want to go to bed. And, and Mom, you know, really being a good mom she said well you know Jesus is with you and the kid said but I want somebody with skin on we need somebody with skin on you are Jesus in someone else's fire amen have a great day God bless you don't forget to connect with somebody today if you're going through a fire because you'll you'll be Man, there'll be Jesus with skin on in your life. Amen? God bless you.